Hey, big fella, this is Barry Edgman with Father Seekers, and this is the podcast Teach Me to Father. We're in a new year, and we have been hitting a couple of things really hard. It's already February. I cannot believe it. This this whole month, we're going to drill down on on one topic, and that is to that is how to how to understand and treasure your wife. Now, if you don't have a wife, someday you probably will. So this is for you too. But how to treasure and understand your wife. Father Seekers is all about helping fatherless dads become good dads and good husbands. It's possible, it's available, and you find all the information you need to know about that in God's good holy book. It's true. And that's what we're going to examine. We also always do that here at Father Seekers, Teach Me to Father, the podcast. But for the next couple of episodes, we're going to drill down on some things that will, we're going to deflate some elephants and and dismantle some other elephants. I have my good friend with me today, Pastor Becky Alcantar. You probably recognize and remember her name. She has been here several times on the podcast. She is also the, what's a good word for what you do with Journey to Hold? The director and curator. Di- leader, <laughs> the curator, the cur- the curator of wholeness, <laughs> Pastor Becky Alcantar, soon to be Dr. Becky Alcantar. If not, then now Dr. Becky. So Becky, thanks for being here. It's hard to get you booked, but thank you for being here. <laughs> I'm glad we can make it work. Yep. Yep. What's going on in your world and the world of Journey to Wholeness? Well, this uh, topic is quite timely. I feel like we're as Journey to Wholeness has focused on individuals, and we still do uh, with our courses and online uh, products and intensives. Uh, We have absolutely moved and delved into the world of relationship, uh, particularly with couples and marriages. And so that's uh, been a great development. We have a couple retreats going on now Uh, meeting with couples one-on-one for some marriage counseling, um, and even speaking at uh, a few events, hopefully near you uh, in the near future. So uh, this is uh, a topic that has become near and dear to my heart. Mm. So the more I've heard you talk about this a lot, and, and I've talked about it with guys a lot, the majority of my discussion with guys is, is two things. One, my wife, uh, doesn't respect me. There's a red flag if you're saying that, not about her, about you. And the other thing is uh, my wife won't do for me what I need her to do. There's a second red flag. Mm -hmm. It's not her, it's you. Just saying that, big fella. But Pastor Becky, tell us, and I'm just going to call you Rebecca or Dr. Becky now. (laughs) Tell us how we can connect with you at Journey to Wholeness. How do we do that? Well, the best way is to actually visit our website, uh, the letter J, the number two, and then wholeness.org. There you can get a hold of us and see what we have to offer in in this area, uh, particularly if this conversation stirs up in you and you feel like you and your spouse need to come and have a conversation with us. Uh, We would love to help and to bring 
flourishing and thriving to your marriage if that's not how you're feeling the experience has been? So most of most of my discussion with guys I've already mentioned, but give us a couple of bullet points about your marriage intentives. What are what are, what are a couple of bullet points that seem to surface that are uh, consistent or supplemental? What, what's there? What seems to be the topic, top two or three? So the top two, definitely it's communication, mm-hmm. uh, failure to communicate, and then um, inability to resolve conflict. Um, over and over, unable to really come together in a way that you're resolving something. And uh, coming into our marriages ill-equipped to do that because mm-hmm. we didn't have mm-hmm. an example to follow. We haven't seen a healthy relationship. And so it's really hard to even imagine and paint the picture um, when you haven't seen that. Now, we can read a lot of books, uh, and many of you do, which I love. But when uh, push comes to shove, right, when we're in those stressful moments where things aren't working out the way we had hoped or dreamed or planned, then some unhealthy parts of us come to the surface. And what do you do with those in the process? And unfortunately, what happens is uh, there's some uh, reaction that uh, strikes and triggers someone else's mm. tender place. Mm. And now we've started this whole ball rolling down the hill that we don't know how it started or how we got here. And the number one question I hear is, did I choose the wrong person? Mm. <laughs> and so we absolutely help to reassure you why that is the right person and why your issues, your hurts, your pains, your sufferings coming to the surface today is actually a great indicator that you absolutely chose the person who you feel comfort, security, and trust with mm. to actually work these things out. Mm. And so the number three thing that we talk about is really the covenant relationship and how that is beneficial and how that brings us uh, to a place and provides a place where we have this environment for healing. Mm. That's good. So there's a lot from what I'm what I just heard you say, there is a lot of deflection and projection going on in those intensives. And then you have to clarify with the covenant marriage card, throw that card down and trump trump all that nonsense. Right. Absolutely. I think the the first thing we try to focus on, help you see, is that um, the person who's decided to be next to you. Uh, stand side by side and back to back with you mm-hmm. is not your enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when we mistake the person who's nearest to us as being the enemy, the one that we're having to swing and flail at, um, we're really being the foolish woman or man that Proverbs talks about who tears down their own home. Mm-hmm. And so when we can see what are the things that are working against us, the things that maybe we came into our marriage with, Um, carrying the burdens that we are hoping will be healed but are still very tender and vulnerable when we understand that when we come to each other and completely come and I say this to the couples I mentor uh, naked and unashamed uh, is when we have the opportunity for uh, healing and have you completely and I just don't mean in the physical sense but have you gotten completely naked emotionally mm-hmm. mentally yep. spiritually yep. so that that work can be done as long as there's hiding and shame as long as we're Adam and Eve in the garden uh, cowering behind a bush from God and the things he wants to reveal show us and heal us from um, we're always going to be left in that situation of isolation and separation mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about all that you just said? Clearly, there's a book in there somewhere. I almost bet that there's one coming out soon. 
But but this whole thing of the projection of hurt, the deflection, this is with guys. This is this is typical with most guys that I talk to, and not because guys are all the same, although they, they are similar, but we process experience and trauma in a different way than women do, mm-hmm. right? So so there's this first the first response or the first uh from a from a guy's perspective is I'm going to deflect and deflection has to do with responsibility not falling on your sword but being responsible for what for what you, what is is rightfully your position and we'll get into that position thing in just a second but also this projection thing of and you hit on it with the shame blame and um hiding and really being being open with your wife and showing who you really are emotionally that's one of the most painful things a guy could ever do but uh, but a lot of times there's this projection of all the hurt trauma and pain that this guy's brought into the marriage and he projects that on his wife and makes her just the shame and the blame in the garden again he shames her for his shame he carries so so today and prob well it's going to be more than today i can tell you that but we're going to we're going to as i said at the top we're going to deflate some elephants that are just full of hot air and we're going to dismantle some others and in in hope that we can destroy all of the misconceptions about the responsibility of of a godly man a jesus alpha male and I use that intentionally and intently, Jesus, alpha male, how he, his responsibility, how how he can understand and treasure his gift of God, his wife. So let's do what, what we do, what we've been doing for the last hour talking just before this. Let's jump into... Let's jump into where everything, this is where we sort of start in journey with it, whether it's a week or an intensive or it's a, a, a bunch of pastors or a bunch of guys or women or whatever. We always start in the place where you can figure out all the answers, problems for your life. Mm-hmm. And that is? The book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. Here everything we go. Everything you need to know in life <laughs> is in Genesis. <laughs> if somebody's not written a book for that yet, that you just, I think you just, I think you just did it. All right, explain yourself. <laughs> explain myself. Well, in Genesis 3 is typically where we start um, in Journey to Wholeness because you probably came to Journey to Wholeness because there was some disruption. Something happened uh, that caused some doubt or hurt or expulsion or loneliness or separation. And that's what we see in the garden with the story of Adam and Eve. But before even that, and it's where we start, but also where we end, uh, we have to look all the way back to Genesis 1 in what is our identity. And we can lose sight of the fact that we were created in Genesis 1 because Genesis 3 feels like the genesis of our life, where things took a different direction, sent us on a different trajectory, and we have spent our lifetimes trying to find our way back. And so uh, when we uh, start with Genesis 3 and stay there, we end up in some of the discussions you've already talked about where there's projection, uh, deflection, because we have forgotten the Genesis, uh, the beginning of our stories is really in Genesis 1. And when we understand that, that whatever it is that separates us takes our wholeness from us, 
then how do we get back to that except by the blueprint that God himself gave to us? Okay. So you said one of my trigger words there, a positive trigger word. I think you can have those. I don't know. We may need to, we may need to talk about that. But one of the words that I use a lot with, with uh, father seekers is identity. It's one of our, one of our four basic pillars. Identity uh, is, is who and what God made us based on his purpose, his plan, his placement of our lives and the way that he's positioned us. That's, that's God's choosing. That's not ours. He's decided that. That was decided at creation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get sidetracked on, well, well, what happens when, when this occurs or what happens when that occurs? Let's just look at what the scripture says in the original, the original design that God has, and let's look at that because if we understand that original design, we can move forward and get to clarity. I think sometimes, Becky, that the reason people like to trauma drama is they don't have clarity on who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Scripture and you look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, not just read it, not just, oh, great, sky, light, great, but pick it apart a little bit. And when you begin to explore that, you begin to see that that when this happened, there was... There was nothing there except the design, the intent, the purpose and power of God to do what he intentionally decided to do with, along with the, the Trinity, the Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit himself. So you said something in our, in our pre-talk mm-hmm. talk of our talk before this podcast. We had several. We went all over the world. Mm-hmm. But I want you to read that one verse, the, the 126, I want you to I want you to pick apart. Tell me about that word that's significant in that verse. Yeah, I love it. Um, verse twenty six in Genesis one says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness.'" And it goes on to say, "They will they I have that circled in my Bible will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth." And the word Adam here. First, let's start with let us, the plurality of Mm -hmm. God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Mm -hmm. then he goes on to say, let us make man in our image, which implies and is fact because this is what the word is for man here is Adam, the generic term that demonstrates or explains or presents to us humanity. Uh, So mankind is presented here already telling us that mankind is made up of more than one. So when we read Adam here, it's easy for us to go very um, surface level and say, well, Adam is the name of the man. However, Adam, the word here, means mankind. It means all of man, and all of mankind is made in God's image, the plural God. So before we even hear about man and woman, uh, we see that this is already God's design and intent in that first verse. And what I said to you before we started, I think what you responded to was that there was no man, not Adam, but there was no man until there was woman. Mm-hmm. Once woman is made and created, um, who was already present in mankind, um, but that separation, that next story we see in chapter two, uh, then we have man in the term that we know today, the mm-hmm. gender term. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that answers that answers a lot of now let me let me back up. So 
So we we are we are theological nerds. Nerds. <laughs> Try not to say that, but we're nerds. And one of the one of the big deals for us is we we use the historical, grammatical, contextual, anthropological, Judeo Christian processes of interpreting scripture, and that means. In, in essence, to go back to the original language, see not only the syntax, but the word usage, how it's used, what's the intent of the word, mm-hmm. and not just reading out of a bunch of commentaries, but actually looking at and seeing what was said. And there, there's a conservative approach with this concept and this idea, and you'll get this more in a, in a minute when we throw out this big word we're going to use that will redefine your whole life if you've never heard it, mm-hmm. although it's been right in front of you forever. I th- think you, I think we're mining nerds, Becky. Yeah, we might try to find stuff. But here's the other thing with this is with the con- we're not one of the hermeneutical rules that I follow. There's four of them, and the last one is let let what is clear in context define the obscure, mm-hmm. right? So we're not trying to find some sort of obscure doctrine, some sort of obscure teaching or some sort of obscure idea that we can make a theological treatise out of or a doctrine. That's not what we're doing. We don't want to do that. But actually, there's been more written as I've, as I've dove into this whole process. Yeah. Because uh, recently, I've been asked to do weddings. I don't do weddings anymore, but the two people that asked me to do them, I had to do them because they're my guys. But as I dove into this, I just couldn't, I just, I just couldn't, um, and to set it up, I did a wedding for my niece back a couple years ago, and she was, she, she, she's, she's bullheaded, like, (laughs) yeah, she's strong, and she's sharp, she's a thinker, and she just couldn't buy into this whole submission thing, so that pushed me over the edge on trying to figure out, because I'm not one of those guys, although I'm from the South, I don't think that every woman should be barefoot and pregnant in in the kitchen, which is not, it's just not, there's dumb. Okay. (laughs) Nonetheless, I begin to study this so I could say to her, here's what, here's what this idea means. It doesn't mean that you're a slave or you're subservient Mm -hmm. or you're to do whatever you're told and you ask how high to jump on the way up. No, 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 no. So I want us, Becky, to pick apart because we're talking now to guys who grew up without a dad that never taught them anything. Mm-hmm. And we're we're talking to women who either came from a fatherless home or grew up with a pretty good dad, which creates even more of a conflict, mm-hmm. even more of a cluster of dysfunction. But what we want you guys to do is go with us on this journey and and explore this word because I will tell you dudes, you guys you hopeful Jesus alpha males, you can understand your lady. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a lie from the pit of hell that they're not they're made to to be mis to to not understand. It's just a lie. Right. God doesn't create catastrophe and dysfunction in His creation. He does in His judgment and His correction, but not in His in His creation. That's actually a pretty good line. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless. We want to tell you how to understand your wife, how to honor her, how to respect her, how to treasure her. Now, you may be pushing back saying, well, 
if I do all that, she probably won't. You know what? That's that's not the issue. Is this is your this is what God gave you this responsibility, and until you get this responsibility down and practice it, your marriage and family will never ever be what it's supposed to be, nor will you ever be the man you're supposed to be. So here's the word, Pastor Becky, spit that word out. Um, so in uh, chapter, I think it's 216, 216. There it is. Um, when, well, let me get there. We actually have our Bibles old school in front of yep, us. Yep. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> so, I- so the Hebrew word, I think it's in 216, helpmate, which is a poorly, that that's in 216, right? Genesis mm-hmm. 216. Yeah. 216 and yeah, on. Yeah. So, so poor translation of that word. <laughs> it's very poor in English from Hebrew to English. Uh-huh. This is the best we had was yeah. help me. Well, yeah. And in my version, it says a helper. Helper. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, that narrows it down. <laughs> that diminishes to- it a little further. And actually what the word is here is Ezra Connecto, um, which has... Say it um, again. Ezra Connecto. Ezra. Ezra Connecto. K-E-N-E-G-D-O. Um, actually, when I say that, it makes me think like of a Japanese samurai. So mm-hmm. that helps you remember it a little mm-hmm. better. <laughs> Uh, because it actually, um, what it conveys is someone who is strong in battle. Mm. And the only other places in scripture that that's used is to describe God when he is in battle fighting on our behalf, which portrays a very different picture of what uh, a spouse is, what a yeah. woman is to yeah. a man. Yeah. So we've dis, we've dysfunct, we being guys and we being ignorant. Uh, overweight, arrogant, narcissistic pastors—not all, but some—have created this idea. And con- I actually heard a—I heard a guy the other day, a pastor. I watch knuckleheads on TV and look at false false teachers and that kind of thing to to study them a little bit. Uh, but this actually one guy—he was actually—he was actually—he was the most narcissistic, rude, angry man I've ever met in my life. And there's this been this idea and this concept that women are subservient to men mm. in the kingdom. That is just not that's just not the way that God created this covenant relationship. Now, I've I've dove deep on this word, and I, I want to read a couple things to you. Mm-hmm. A couple of great websites that I've looked at. But Ezer, it's exactly what you said, PB. Ezer has originally two meanings in Hebrew. Depending on the pronunciation, mm-hmm. it means to rescue or to save and to be strong. Mm-hmm. And here it's used 21 times in the Old Testament. The first, the first idea or concept is Ezer used of woman. So, so God, God used this Ezer, he used the same name to not only refer to himself, but also to a defender of the nations. Mm -hmm. So now your wife has just taken on a different. Now, I had a guy say to me recently, Becky, that my wife doesn't respect me like she should. Mm. And I I wanted to reach across and smack him. But I I just listened a little more. And and here's the misconception among men, Mm. in general, not all, is that is respect is 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 anticipated and not earned. Mm. That is not true, first off. Mm. 
Because as we dive into this topic a little more, we're going to talk about the responsibility of men to be to be to their lady, what God has called them to do. Sidetracked again, Ezra used for the moment. I have a list of scriptures. I will post those in the notes of this podcast. The second usage of the word Ezer used for nations who Israel appealed to for military aid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And Ezer used for God as Israel's helper. There are 15 or so scriptures, all Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Psalm, who, who refers to God as the helper of Israel. So, so here, as we, as we fall into the funnel here, Ezer is used consistently in a military context. Mm-hmm. Ezer is a warrior. So we're, we're saying that God created women to be a warrior. Now, I want to sidetrack on this. I want you to pick up the sidetrack and beat the drum. Women always get the brunt of the accusation and blame Mm -hmm. for sin entering into the world. Mm. If Eve hadn't done this, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a big, I'm going to give you a big lead and then you just get up there and beat the drum on the stage. (laughs) So, so Paul, the apostle said, it's Adam that sinned, right? Adam sinned. Not not Eve, Adam sinned. If we go back and look in in one and two, God specifically told Adam, do this, but do not do this. Take care of the garden, name these animals, you need a helpmate, but the one thing that you don't do is you do not eat of this tree. Mm-hmm. I believe that when Adam forsook his responsibility that God gave him in that moment and allowed to to happen at the tree without correcting it, which I believe he had authority to do. Mm-hmm. Scripture says that he became a passive husband, mm-hmm. passively, purposefully passive when he should have interrupted that scene. Mm-hmm. Now, some context is there where it says, I'm going to let you, I'm not a woman, so you pick it up from no, there. Finish that thought. Yeah, I love well, where you're going. Well, but, but some, because passivity of the man entered in the world and men now recognize, well, if the woman hadn't done this or if she would do this, mm-hmm. it's the shame blame game again. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be here. Well, no, actually, no. It's the man's responsibility to lead the way, to love his wife mm-hmm. properly and correctly. We'll talk about that later. But he became passive leader. And now there's this idea and this concept out there with some writers about this whole topic that and these are pretty solid theological arguments here, is that there is this idea or concept that, that, that because, and this is my perspective, this is my, after reading, I believe Eve knew and understood there was more mm-hmm. with what God was saying. And I believe because whatever happened, how her, her husband became passive and didn't say, stop. That's what God said, do not do. You're doing it. Adam sinned. Man sinned, and and I would have to look back at the word the the the, the word that Paul used. But if recollection serves me, that's the point when passivity of the man came in, and he just he just let up and gave way. Mm-hmm. Eve was not the problem; mm-hmm. the opportunity presented by the serpent was the problem, mm-hmm. and he didn't step in and stop it. Now, 
You're talking about a great deal and high level of responsibility here that we as men have dropped the ball with consistently over time. I'll let you speak to the men. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I... I hear what you're saying in that it really is in the definition of the word uh, or in that term as a itself is that um, it represents uh, two opposing and contrasting forces. Yes. It's forces. Good. It's right. Good. So um, when, as you're saying, there's passivity, that means that the opposite and contrasting force is going to seem to take dominance because it doesn't have the opposing force to balance, right? And all of creation is made in balance and relationship, interconnected, interdependent, um, interrelational. And so whenever a piece of that isn't pulling its weight, as you would say, I would say not stepping fully into the authority and purpose and calling and creative reason why you were made, uh, then there's going to be a problem. There's going to be imbalance. And so that's what we're seeing in the story happening. Ultimately, if we stay out of the details and who said what and where and pointing the fingers, ultimately there was a loss of balance that sent all of them riveting out of Eden. And so when you think of a marriage or a couple, uh, a covenant relationship is stronger when it is bonded um, that it has the pr- power and the ability to create life. When it is imbalanced, that is when we see death enter into the scene. And so, you know, just in the story itself, as we move into chapter two and we see the first time man and woman, we see, I think it's uh, Ish and Isha uh, created in verse 23. Um, what we're seeing here is, if you think about just reason and logic, mm-hmm. How does life come about as we know it today? Mm -hmm. It comes from the womb of a woman. Yes. But for the first time here, we see man created first. Why? We're talking about a spiritual lens. We're talking about, and here's this humankind, and now we're going to pull apart these opposing and contrasting forces to balance each other. But but the word that one writer says that I've read is complementary. Yes. Which is the glue. It's the glue, right? It's equal and opposing forces. Equal and opposing forces. Not better than, not less than, not submitted to. Because when you do that, and that's the problem I have with that word, is that you have disarmed yourself. As the man in the man-woman relationship, when you try to silence or subdue the equal and opposing force, you put Mm, yourself at risk and you also disarm yourself. So just in the sense of, okay, you are one first of all, but let's say you forget that for a moment in the heat of the moment. And what you're actually doing is you're removing your Ezra, the one who has your back, the mm-hmm. one who has your security, your intent, who's on your side, who is with your purpose, who like, who gives you like exponential power. Mm-hmm. And so to subdue or quiet or silence that just disarms not only that covenant relationship, but I see that expanding, rippling into the church. Mm-hmm. We're disarming the really church good. at large. It's good. And so when we think about this concept of, okay, when we're both stepping into walking in appreciative of the complementary forces that are at work and not saying, oh, because we don't agree on every single thing or we're having conflict, that that means that this should not be. No, that exactly means that this relationship has the potential for life and for taking ground and taking kingdom. Mm-hmm which is ultimately mankind's purpose Mm -hmm. to bring his kingdom to earth the way he has designed you to. And that requires this complementary contrasting force for it to have power. So there's this. So as I, as I hear you, um, I'm filtering 
there, there, if, if there's not, here's what most of the guys say to me and they want, they want an atmospheric blind obedience with their woman, their, my woman, <laughs> bro, you're so stupid. I wish you could, but they want this blind obedience, uh, static free, tension free relationship where I said it, mm-hmm. I believe it. You should too. That's what we're doing. That's not the way God created us. As as he, I hear you explain that you say that 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 this opposing but corresponding complementary mm-hmm. force mm-hmm. that there should be static tension right. in this process and and not a one sided thing, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately, when we're looking at this, we have to think back to Genesis one twenty six, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what is the stabilizing force? of that contrasting and opposing mm-hmm. force, it is God himself mm-hmm. who is in the triangle, the trinity of mm-hmm. made in his image. Mm-hmm. So that relationship should not be void of God, and God is what stabilizes that force. Mm. However, yes, think about that. If God placed those two forces to balance and counterweight each other, but you're disregarding the wisdom and knowledge and discernment of the other half of you, mm-hmm. what you're saying is I want just complete submission and a compliance, but if you're about to step into the line of fire, you want someone to say, hey, let me pull you back this way, and this is a reason. Instead of saying, why are you holding me back, woman, the Mm. question should be, and and Mm. women, too, uh, I'm saying the same thing to you. Instead of saying, why are you holding me back? Why are you slowing me down? You need to look at, why is this ordained, and why is the pace that I have to move at in tandem with somebody God-given and ordained? Mm -hmm. Because there's sometimes, some of us, women especially want to move really fast and we get annoyed with our husbands who want to take his soul and they want to survey the land and they want to see what's going on and they want to make a decision and we're like why can't we just do these things you need Mm. to check yourself as well because there's some protection there's some counterbalance that's happening there that you need to pause and consider now we're not always going to get it right right but more times than not it's going to be beneficial for us to get in alignment with one another because there's strength in that there's certainty in that uh, there's also a, a larger and more powerful force behind that mm-hmm. when we can do that together. And so we have to pay attention to what is at the root of this. And I think too often we make assumptions about what someone wants or doesn't want based on, like you said, lenses, uh, lens of trauma and experiences that we're coming into that we need to correct when we come into this relationship because you have never been in a relationship like this, not with your mama, not with your papa, mm-hmm. not with your brother or sister, mm-hmm. you, not even your best buddy, friend, girl or boy. Mm-hmm. You, this is a special relationship that is for our health and healing. This is the relationship that represents that glorifies God the most. And so, of course, it's going to come with, I I read, um, something with so much power to create can have destructive power as well when it is not balanced. And that is so true. And unfortunately, we see that uh, very often in a marriage where there's just, it's off balance. And it's going to be as you figure out how it is to you walk in tandem with one another as you start to shed some of the stories that want to interfere with that oneness that you have in that relationship when you're working completely together. Um, So when you think of this, don't think of, and I know we have poor words even for this of walking in tandem or side by side or back to back. Really what we're talking about is integration Mm -hmm. where the two literally become one where there's no telling what's this or that becoming again, 
the mankind that God breathed into the nostrils of is what we're coming back together in. And yet there's not an aloneness or separation or loneliness in that. Mm. One of the, one of the, and I'm reading things from, from both highly respected men and women about this topic to get a full, a full understanding, not about, I don't think there's balance in marriage. I think, or in relationship, uh, I believe it's got to be the opposites that complement each other for the purposes of God. And one of the one of the other meanings for the word helper, actually, in in one translation, it narrows down to that of a lifesaver. Mm. And I think, I think um, as we as we begin to look at more of a help help me do what I want you to do when I need you to do it. Like mm-hmm. we have underestimated uh, and, and disrespected the position that God created women in. Mm-hmm. Now I know, I know that there are some strong women, some alpha women, and there's some alpha guys. Mm-hmm. But when we back off of it and look at this, because as I look at this, I, I see a, a, a relationship based not only on peace, mm-hmm. but purpose. Mm-hmm. And when you put those two words together, if if anything that there's that a man wants in a in a relationship, it's it's a purposeful relationship. It's peaceful. That's the one thing I hear guys say much of the time is I just want to have peace in my home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that comes with initially <laughs> effort. Mm. And I say that uh, coming up on 30 years of marriage, mm. the first third being quite explosive and <laughs> a bit chaotic. Uh, and I will take ownership of a lot of that <laughs> uh, because we were figuring out things. We didn't have a journey to wholeness or any other program that we went through. We didn't talk about these things. We heard, you know, certain things from scripture and then we were supposed to know how to apply it naturally to our life. And there were just things that had influences that had impacted us uh, that we then found coming up in the marriage relationship and being appalled and aghast. Uh, we were uh, the couple who never had a crossword or an angry look at one another, and then we get married, and suddenly all of the things were coming to the surface, and we didn't understand why. Now understanding why, I can be grateful and thankful for that. Um, But when you do that work, so I'm not saying it's going to take you 10 years. Um, If it's been happening for three months, I want you to come and talk to us uh, because Mm. we can tell you and teach you and walk you through some things. And that's the whole goal of Journey to Wholeness, that you would not walk through the same troubles and difficulties in trying to find your healing as well. Uh, But what we had to do was learn how to resolve that conflict. We had to understand what was at the root of the things that were coming up. And there were a lot of assumptions that were being uh, made. I, I call it the glacier, right? We see the the tip of the glacier at the top or above the waterline, and we think that's it. But really, there's so much context attached to so many of the things that we get wrong when we're interacting with one another. And so what we first have to start with is where are those things coming from? If you want peace, if you want purpose, I'm going to tell you right now that you found that in, in your spouse. That's why you chose that person. That's why they say opposites attract. There were things, qualities, characteristics, abilities 
qualities in that person that you desired in your life. And in the actual adjusting and attuning to one another, you've had some bumps and bruises. Mm. Are you willing to get to the root of what those are? And also, yes, sometimes and many times we can hurt each other because we're most vulnerable to each other. And the question is, has that been intentional or unintentional? If it's been intentional, then you need to ask forgiveness and then we need to work on things. If it's been unintentional, we need to recognize that as well and get to the root of what is actually happening so we don't have these explosions. So we can get in attunement with one another, get on the same page with one another so that we experience that peace and purpose for the rest of the day. So I said one third of our marriage was mm, chaos and working through and attuning and adjusting, but it doesn't have to be that long, but it still does take that work. So I encourage couples to do that pre-marriage, to do that in the first year of marriage while you're figuring out those pieces so that it doesn't take as long so that you get to the peace and the purpose. You chose the right person. Mm. Go back to the beginning is what we tell you. Go back to why did I choose this person and what were the qualities then that I thought were amazing that now are getting under my skin right now. They're getting yeah. on my nerves. Yeah. And how is that actually just a challenging for you to actually grow and to be better and to expand your territory? Usually that causes some disruption, some discomfort in your life. And so don't confuse uh peace and discomfort, right? Like just because you have discomfort does not mean that there's not peace in your home. I can tell you on the other side of those 10 years, there's so much peace. There's so much attunement. There's so much purpose that we can focus on because we learned how to actually communicate better, how to get to the root of the things that were influencing us. And we learned how to resolve conflict in a healthy way, but also in a transparent, vulnerable way. So, so what I'm what what you just described in in a lot of marriages, I think I think you just described what happened between the partaking of the fruit and when God Himself walked back into the picture, mm. the shame and the blame. Like when we when we find our when we find our person, and and this is a general statement. Not some people just make dumb choices, go to Vegas, get married, and realize when they get home, all that was dumb. We're not saying that. We're saying that if you walk through the paces and did things appropriately, mm-hmm. the person you're, you're with probably it, it was a God ordained thing, or at least, at least, at the very least, there's hope to correct because the divine order of creation says that if you will understand things the way that I created them. And you will operate within the divine order that I've assigned to that health and wholeness. Then, in fact, we can repair a lot of what's happening that's creating the tension and the static and the frustration. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there was a uh, when the serpent entered in. There was there was this idea or concept that began to be like a smoke bomb going off in a room, I'm going, I'm going to distract these people so that I can distract them from what God really said. And in God's creation, we know clear well, full on, that if he's in the middle of it and he's directing traffic, we're going to be all right. I knew we wouldn't finish. <laughs> 
So strike the word helpmate from your mind and, and start inserting Ezer Connecto. Join us next time on Father Seekers. Teach me to father the podcast. We're going to pick this up tomorrow or the next podcast. If you like it, good. Tell us. If you don't like it, tell us. Share the love. Go get them, big fella. You can do this.